Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. We just talked to Dave from Smoking Dave's. If you missed that one, tell you about him again. It is dinner time. You love great barbecue. I've been to a lot of barbecue places in town. This is the best by far. And they have great non-barbecue options as well. Uh, they're desserts. You can go there just for dessert. Um, and sides, mac and cheese, fantastic. I love their coleslaw. I know that you had their coleslaw when you were there recently. Their, their baked beans, I don't even like baked beans because I don't like the texture of it, but it has drippings of pork. It has drippings of brisket. They just know how to do it right at Smokin' Dave's Barbecue and Brew. You can find them in North Denver. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smokin' Dave's Barbecue and Brew. Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. All right, quick programming note. Terry, you're going to be leaving us early. You're going to be leaving at about uh, 535, 540, so you can get down to the stadium and uh, cover the game. Uh, with that, let's talk more Avalanche. The party line so far has been let's avoid going back to St. Louis. It'd be huge if we could avoid going back to St. Louis. Bednar kind of hedged his bets a little bit, uh, saying, you know, well, we're trying to avoid going back there, but he doesn't want an overreaction if they lose. He doesn't want everybody to panic and start saying, well, here we go again in the second round. The, the, this franchise has blown a 3-1 to one lead a couple of, couple of times, uh, pulled it out against L.A. A few, once or twice with Game 7 wins. But they did lose to Minnesota. They did lose to Edmonton after leading the series three games to one. That's ancient history, but it's at least pertinent as precedence. In this case, the combination of that, well, here we go again type mentality if they lose tonight. Right. Is the, here we go again. They're going to collapse. Uh, they're trying to avoid that. But I think they're also trying to, to also do some pre- preemptive firing just in case they do lose, you know, the emphasis, it's gonna, it's three to two. You know, the overreaction to single games is an NHL tradition, well, and also NBA tradition in seven-game playoff series, overreaction to single games, the seesaw of evaluation. It's kind of embarrassing sometimes to see. But in this case, I think the Avalanche, this is this team can, will be all right if they lose a game five and have to go back to St. Louis. I think so, too. And, I, and the reason I'm saying that is outside of game two, the Avs have been the better team this entire series. And it depends let, on definition of terms in Game 1, too. Say it also, again? It depends on definition of terms in Game 1. When the Avalanche were flying around, looking spectacular, looking energetic, they were and, the, but didn't get anything done. No, I understand, but they were the better, more aggressive team on the ice. You can make the case for Game 3, and certainly in Game 4. I mean, yes. look at that first period. So I think they've been the better team. If for some reason they fall flat their last three games, then I think it could be a series, especially if it goes three games. But they have been the better team. It's not as if they if they would have lost game one, I believe they were the better team, and then, you know, buck, the puck bounces the wrong way. Puck luck. Right. 
and then you wind up losing the game, they have been the better team throughout this series. Bednar did say something today. And every once in a while, and there are a lot of cliches out there. And I don't know if this is a cliche. Is this a No, cli- not really. I, I, heard, I, I loved heard it. it. I, when I heard this, I'm like, wow, that's he's, a great line. He's been very guarded, relatively guarded over the last couple of weeks. And probably with good reason. He understands the pressures involved. Doesn't right. want to give the other side anything to talk about. Right. And he's been very, very careful in not disclosing any lineup considerations. Right. On the days of games. And Upper things body like injury. That. Yeah. Lower body and injuries. Injury. And so he's been very careful. He's usually so analytic in answering questions. He's kind of backed off that now. But he did. I think they are trying to prevent that, that oh, my God, here we go again mentality if they lose tonight. Right. Well, and, and everybody knows. And Nathan McKinnon even said that before the playoffs started. He said, if we lose game one against Nashville, there's always more games. It's a body of work. It's a relentless physical and mental test. And that's what playoff hockey is, and that will, that's what makes it the best postseason in sports. Well, I think Jared Bednar in press conferences is a lot like his GM. Joe's nickname was Quoteless Joe. But I will tell you, for Jared Bednar to have this line today, I loved it. I've never heard anyone say this line. And maybe you can correct me. Maybe you have. He said, tonight is not about weathering the storm. We're going to try to create our own storm. And I'm thinking, I love that mentality. Well, and I love the line. 90% of what he says and has said during the playoffs is based on the premise of, I've got to worry about my team and not the other one. Right. And that may sound simple, but in this case, it's it's I'm, we're going to set our own goals. We're going to set our own benchmarks. We're going to worry about how we play. And even when talking about whether there'd be rough stuff in the game, he's well, you get, he didn't say it this way, but it was clear you'll have to ask them. And he's been he's been very uh, and he even he even somewhat defended Craig Berube for saying no comment that day because he was trying to say, okay, coaches have a million things flying by him. And the organization does too, and they probably just were were uh, caught up in all of that. And I, I don't think he believed that. I mean, he's inside; he's probably simmering because he had gotten mad. He's gotten mad about Barubi's uh, reputation comment right. about about Kadri. So right. I, I I don't think I don't think Jared Bednar was as placid as as he let on about all of that. But it was it's very smart strategy, both mental strategy and and gamesmanship involved in this series. As Kadri said following game four, thanks for giving us bulletin board material. And Bednar is not that type of guy. Joe Sackick was not that type of guy. But then again, when you look at this Avs organization in general, dating back to the <laughs> day they got to Denver, Pierre. they are a very tight-lipped organization. They're kind of similar. They're kind of similar to the Patriots under Bill Belichick. Well, and I also thought... Well, wait, do you think so... You don't see bulletin board material or no. juicy quotes come out of this organization. And we haven't seen it since they got here. Pierre was a little more of a family atmosphere type guy than the, the, than the, than the Patriots who were absolutely ruthless. When a guy's, when a guy's lived out, outlived his usefulness, that's it. No, I'm talking about things getting out to the public. I was kind of surprised that the, uh, when the Avalanche moved here, they didn't have a name yet, but I was kind of surprised that they just didn't show up and, show up the two days before the first game and say, here we right, are. Right. And not even announce anything. I'm going to use a golf term here. If the Avalanche are going to win the cup, let's just say McKinnon, Rantanen, and McCarr have gotten a mulligan in this series. 
And, well, they, I, and they, they cannot have another mulligan. I think that's actually encouraging for Avalanche fans in the sense that Depends they, on how you want to look at they're it. They're ahead 3-1 in this series with uh, Darcy Kemper giving them pedestrian goaltending. Not great. He's made big saves when he's needed right, to. Yep. Uh, so, but he's going to have to steal a game at some point. I'm just not sure whether he's capable of it yet. McCarr has two assists, no goals. Uh, McKinnon has zero goals, four assists. Rantanen has one empty net goal. Empty net, yeah. And four assists. So, you know, they're a point of game. R- Rantanen hasn't been overly effective in now two straight series. Yeah. Now watch, all three of them will explode tonight on the score sheet, which would be great. But they have to have contributions out of those guys. But if they're not going get, to get it all every night from all those guys, the fact that they're ahead three to one in the series and they've almost banked those games, as something to call on in the future. I'll tell you this. Now, I think you and I can both agree Ryan O'Reilly has done a magnificent job on McKinnon. At least neutralized him. Right. And I don't know if Edmonton winds up advancing in the Avs advance. I don't know. I don't know if they have any defense to really stop McKinnon. They don't have that guy. But I'll tell you this. If McKinnon doesn't score in the next series, if they advance, or McCarr, or Rantanen, I can promise you, Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl will. Don't you think that'll be a... I look at it as as a entertainment value evaluator. I think that'll be a fun series. It'll be up and down the ice. No question. But if the the two stars for the Oilers perform, uh, one guy's opinion, they will lose that series. But, But... Rantanen. Meaning, if if the, if the if the big guys, the term you use, if the guys driving the bus don't drive the bus, they are not going to be able to get enough out of Taves and whoever else. Uh, Taves, McCarr, McKinnon, Rantanen. Well, no, no, I'm saying they're not going to be able to get enough out of Taves, Mansion. Um, uh, well, Jack Johnson's in the lineup now. Well, you you could pick any forward, pick any other forward who has contributed. in. Nachushkin. You can't depend on him to be one of your top scorers, especially if he has to go head-to-head in terms of matching goal for goal with McDavid and Dreisaitl. It'll be an eminent challenge for, for Nathan McKinnon because he's been compared since being the number one overall NHL draft choice to to Connor McDavid, who was a, a couple years later number one overall draft choice, but touted as Austin Matthews was. Right. As generational players at the number one overall. And it took Nathan some time to kind of get elevated to that generational label uh, when we didn't even know if he'd ever get there. So he's right. there now. But, but So the challenge in the next round is that story is going to be replayed again on whether uh, Anthony, whether Nathan McKinnon can be like Connor McDavid in that sense. Coming up after the break, in the NFL this season, there are 16 first-time head coaches, and quarterbacks. Obviously, there's one here in Denver as well with Hackett and Russell Wilson. CBS Sports ranked all 16 of those duos together for the first time. Where is Wilson and Hackett on that list? That's next. Your words up on the wall as you're praying for my phone and the laughter in the holes and the name.
Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale loan to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about my friend and my guy, Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. He has his own agency. I've worked with Eric for well over five years. He does my auto. He does my home. He does my health insurance as well. A lot of farmers agents or other, you know, agents that you see on TV, they don't do health insurance. He does that for me as well. So it's really one-stop shopping. I love the fact that he is quick to return calls and emails. He even does it on his days off. His staff at the Cook Insurance Agency has over 70 years of experience. They will check in with you every year to make sure you have the right policy. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, that does not happen with a lot of insurance people. They just let it roll over and they keep collecting their commission check. Not Eric Cook and his staff at Farmers Cook Insurance Agency. Give them a call today, 303-790-8089, 303-790-8089. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. All right, CBS Sports' Cody Benjamin wrote an interesting article pointing out that half of the teams in the league have new combinations at head coach or quarterback. Okay? So, 16 of them. He ranked them, but we'll talk about the top six. Number one, Todd Bowles and Tom Brady with the Buccaneers. Number two, Wilson and Hackett with the Broncos. Number three, Go to the Browns organization, Deshaun Watson, Kevin Stefanski. Number four, Matt Ryan, Frank Reich. Number five, Kirk Cousins, Kevin O'Connell. And with the Raiders, Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels. You agree with that order? No, I don't. I The the six, sound, the six selections are pretty reasonable, but I think Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski is way too high at number three. I'd move them down. I'd put Derek Carr and... Uh, Josh McDaniels in that spot. I would too. I would too. And but, I do. I like Matt Ryan and Frank Reich too. As as the combination of two really veteran proven guys. It, this is and put even putting the Broncos second. I'll leave them there. But that's showing a lot of faith in Nathaniel Hackett and and and, and a huge amount of faith in Russell Wilson to perhaps I don't want to mull. I'll say it to kind of pull. Nathaniel Hackett along with him in this sort of evaluation. I would put actually put Wilson and Hackett number one. You would. Yeah. And here, you, you have that much faith in Nathaniel Hackett? I, I'm kind of sitting back and saying, I look, saying I'm from Missouri, show me. Okay. <laughs> the, the, this is how I'm coming up with my equation in my head. Tom Brady and Tom Bowles are, are and Todd Bowles are not even in my top five. Really? Todd, Todd Bowles is a defensive mind. Period. He's a defensive mind. Okay. When you look at all of the other head coaches, they're all offensive minds. Well, you can be a great defensive mind. We didn't see it in Vic Fangio, but in theory, if a head coach with a defensive background uh, shows some sense and operates as a CEO and, in, and doesn't necessarily dip his hand too deep, even with the defense, 
is a CEO head coach because he knows football has a has an offensive voice that he trusts running the offense. The, and that could be an effective the combination. O- the only way I see a defensive coach with Brady being good, being number one, is all you have to do is look at the history. Tony Dungy was a defensive mind. His quarterback was Peyton Manning. Tony Dungy had played quarterback, though. I know, but but he was a defensive coordinator. He was a defensive yeah. mind as a coach. He was a defensive guy. When you look at Brian Billick with the Baltimore Ravens, he was an offensive mind, but his defense was great. There's a long list of coaches who happen to be better on the other side of the ball. Um, I think of all the quarterbacks on here outside of Tom Brady, because I, this is going to be Tom Brady's offense. Todd Bowles, I don't think is going to get heavily involved in the offense. That's why I understand. I understand why they're number one, according to Cody Benjamin. But I don't think the two are going to be working really that closely together. No, but if you're talking that's if you're talking by definition of terms here, I think he clearly wasn't factoring in the coach's background necessarily. Well, well then maybe maybe he should have. No, well, I I'm a firm believer, strong believer, always have been, always will have having covered the NFL and college football. The, the head coach as a CEO is the smartest way to go. No question. However, you have Stefanski and Reich and Kevin O'Connell, and Josh McDaniels, and and Nathaniel Hackett calling plays as offensive coordinators. Mm -hmm. They're holding the card. Well, but a a lot of these guys do. Mike Shanahan called the plays, Mm -hmm. and he was a CEO. He ran the draft, too. So Mike Shanahan was a very good CEO, but he did call the plays. Andy Reid's the head coach. Don't tell me Eric Bieniemy calls the plays. It's Andy Reid who calls the plays. And Eric Bieniemy called some plays, but it's but we know whose offense it is. I think when you if I'm going to eliminate Brady and Bowles from this, and I am because Brady's going to do his thing, just like Peyton Manning did his thing when he was here, right? Mm-hmm. Wilson's the best quarterback out of the rest of the guys. I think he is after Brady. Yeah, he's the he's the he's the best of the bunch. After that, I would move up Matt Ryan and Frank Reich to number two. Mm-hmm. Matt, Matt Ryan has a ready-made Super Bowl caliber team. From the offensive line to Jonathan Taylor to a defense that's very good. It's a ready-made team. And Matt Ryan probably feels he has something to prove. Philip Lindsay. And, and, and Frank Reich is a very good football coach. And he calls the plays as well. I'm not a fan of Kirk Cousins at all. And Josh McDaniels, if he has grown up with his offensive mind, which is as good, if not better, than anybody on this list. Derek Carr is a top 10 quarterback mm-hmm. in this league. Yeah, I agree with that. So I would put I would put Carr and McDaniels number three. Deshaun Watson, I don't know when the guy's going to play. No, that's why I was questioning that. And Kirk Cousins, I'm not a fan of at all. That guy puts up huge numbers, but he doesn't win. He's a wacko. Not strong. Why is he a wacko? Because of the COVID stuff? Yeah. He grills his steaks with foil. Does he? That's well, pretty wacko to I me. I don't even care about the COVID stuff. I didn't realize that. That's he, all you had to say. He puts ketchup on his hot dog. Well, I do that too, so that's not that oh. crazy. I see. I don't have a problem with the ketchup on the hot dog, and I'm a Chicago guy. And Chicago guys are snobs oh, I, about I, that I, stuff. I, I guess I had forgotten wrong. I had remembered wrong because I thought you were one of those. What, nuts po- that didn't. It doesn't like 
catch up on. You know, you, you know, you are the guy who has so much ass about pineapple on a pizza. Oh yeah, truly un-American. You know what doesn't belong on a pizza? Olives. Olives don't belong anywhere. I just don't like olives. Either do I. They don't belong anywhere. If we got rid of olives, with the exception of olive oil, I'd be more than happy. Olive trees. If if they help, them all down. If they help the environment, I'm good with it. Just the just the smell of olives makes me nauseous. Now, if you stuff them with blue cheese, maybe I can put them in a martini. Yeah, maybe I can s- stuff down a few of those. As long as it's like loaded with blue cheese, cover it with chocolate. Just, I'll, I'll eat an olive. You just pass over it with a vermouth. Yeah, yeah. I, it doesn't sound to me like you are sold. Not that you have any data to not back you up. You're not sold on Wilson and Hackett. You don't no, sound I'm just that saying, way. I'm just saying Nathaniel Hackett has not been a head coach before, and uh, he's shown, I mean, I, it looks to me as if he's completely on the right track, and I'm very impressed with him. But, you know, there are a lot of honeymoon periods that don't turn out to be justified. I and think, uh, so I, as I'm not being cynical. I'm not doubting him. I'm just saying, show me. Right. Well, he'll get his chance in the opener. What I like is I like the combination of both of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You have Wilson, who is unabashed about his desire to win. And then you have Nathaniel Hackett, who knows how to relate to players. And I think guys will run through a wall for him. I do. And from what I understand, he is intensely prepared. Mm-hmm. What, what I am concerned about is game day decisions. When to call a timeout. When to do things when you have to make a split-second decision. Because I think no matter how good of a coach you might be when you first started, you're kind of... You're kind of swimming it, or as they say in the restaurant business about waiters and waitresses, you're in the weeds. Is that what they say? Yep, you're in the weeds. The new responsibilities of a new first-year head coach. Yes, those are, it's easy to second-guess, and everybody does second-guess you. Right. Vic Fangio got second-guessed all the time. But you know what? Um, I don't watch every football team closely, but I'd be willing to bet at least half the fan bases out there for all 32 NFL teams, find a way to complain about game management issues with their coaches. I mean, look what happened with the Chargers and their head coach. That game against the Raiders. You can make the case the Raiders or the uh, Chargers should have been in the playoffs. Yeah, they should have been. Right. And what was he? A first-year head coach. So you have to expect those hiccups, but then you're also hoping that they find a way to overcome mistakes that Hackett is inevitably going to make. But who does who does uh, Nathaniel Hackett have on his staff who can be a veteran voice of Dom, hey, Ca- hey, D- Dom Capers? Hey, wait a minute here, Dom Capers. That's why I'm saying he has Dom a, Capers. That's that's an astute that's an astute move by Hackett. Well, so if you like, it's almost like he's an advisor as opposed right. to a coach. So if you like that move. And I like that move a lot because, remember, that's a really young coaching staff mm-hmm. with Evero, first-time defensive coordinator. Their special teams guy, first-time special teams coordinator. There's a lot of youth on this coaching staff. So I remember when I was doing the show with Andrew, all we kept talking about was, who is he going to bring in as a veteran presence when things go wrong? Who is, he, who is Hackett mm-hmm. going to bounce ideas off of? But he was astute enough to say, I don't know everything. 
and I need to bring somebody in. And Josh McDaniels, he had some veterans on his staff, but he didn't listen to anybody. So it didn't matter. Josh McDaniels listened to nobody. I think that Hackett will. McSmarty pants. Oh, he was a nightmare on so many levels. Coming up after the break. Well, Blues Avalanche Series could end tonight, and if it does, we're going to have the formal handshake line, hockey tradition. But with everything that has gone on, with Nazem Kadri and David Perron and Craig Berube and some of the other guys, will there be a handshake with Kadri and some of the other guys? Will one guy snub the other guy? We'll talk about it next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility in the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. Well, if the Avalanche win tonight, we will see a formal handshake line. It is a tradition in hockey. Um, I would like you to go back, Terry, to when you covered the Avalanche and the Red Wings. Uh, you wrote another terrific book called Playing Piano in a Brothel. And I don't think that the Kadri, um, David Perrone rivalry, Bennington rivalry, if that's what you want to call it, uh, rivals what we saw with Draper and McCarty and Lemieux. But you wrote something in that book about the handshake line. Would you read that directly from it? Well, in 96, after the hit by Claude Lemieux on Chris Draper, basically breaking his face, after that game, Dino Cicerelli shook hands with Claude Lemieux and told the media a little bit later, I can't believe I shook his freaking hand. Right. But that's how pervasive the, the, the respect for the tradition of the game, and I don't think at that point Cicerelli knew how badly Draper was hurt, but he did say that after the game. Right. Then it, when all the shenanigans came up in 1997 with with uh, Darren McCarty jumping Claude Lemieux in the March 26, 1997 game at Detroit and all hell breaking loose after the playoff series when the Red Wings defeated the Avalanche in, in 97 in six games. In that handshake line, uh, it was uh, on that night... On that night in 1997, Chris Draper wouldn't shake hands with Lemieux. Lemieux stuck out his hand, Draper conceded, but Draper said that he had passed because Lemieux wasn't looking him in the eye. It was catching. Seconds later, Lemieux refused to shake hands with McCarty. I was gonna, but but he didn't want to, McCarty said, so I think it just shows his immaturity. I was brought up better than that, so I didn't go out of my way. That's all I have to say about that. So what do you think? Aaron McCarty. What do you think happens tonight? 
you know, this is so unprecedented and so dark, dark and disturbing compared to like inter individual rivalries or individual grudges. This is deeper and darker than that. Right. But I'm still going to say they will respect the tradition and the game and they will all shake hands. Even Craig, you know, coaches get in the line right. too. So the, it would be interesting when Craig Berube is there with well, you know what? Padre. We talked about it at the top of the show. Now let's put a nice red ribbon on top of the box. You know why Craig Berube should shake Nazem Kadri's hand? Because Berube gets it. Because he's Native American. <laughs> he understands what it's like to have racially charged threats. Folks, As a matter kidding. of fact, the two of them should hug it out because they have something in common. Irony is dripping from your mouth as you're speaking. Isn't it? And it's sarcastic. Yes. Right? Because as we talked about at the top of the show, it was not necessary for Barubi to say, I understand Kadri because I've dealt with it. That's great that you yes. dealt with it. You should have addressed it. Yes. And you should have. should have had empathy for him, but you didn't because you said no comment. And he also was not getting, he didn't get advice or he didn't get very good advice from his organization. He should have been called out within the organization said you will and it's for your own good and it's for the team's good and it's the right thing to do here's the thing if if perone or barubi or anybody else if they don't shake kadri's hand unfortunately and i'm not going to push this narrative and you're probably not going to push this narrative but if they don't shake kadri's hand it's going to make it look like they are racist i think they all will so I think it's going to be an academic point, but that is something that could be thrown into the mix. And it shouldn't happens. be. And it shouldn't be. It has nothing to do with Kadri being Muslim. It has everything to do with him running into Bennington. You and I both agree. I think the majority of people agree it was a mistake, but it would be unfortunate. I have very little empathy for the Blues organization with the way they've handled this, but it would be unfair for that organization to be painted as racist because they did not shake Kadri's hand. I, so I think that's one of the many. I don't think that's the sole reason. I think that will enter the mix. I think everybody will shake everybody's hand. You know, you don't have to. You, you've seen it. You Even the last few nights, you, you kind of watch it. It depends on if a player knows somebody. It depends on if a player is greatly respected in the league's, in the league's uh, hierarchy. But it also is a case of you, you can just quickly shake a guy's hand and go right so right. perfunctory it's not an endorsement of friendship or respect right or anything else you're just giving a perfunctory tap right yeah it doesn't you don't have to hug it out and have a no. nice long conversation you know way the the one hand goes around the shoulder and the other hand shakes right, right. that doesn't have to be for every player combination you are getting ready to go to ball arena right now what do you think happens in the game i think the avalanche win four to two is it a close game or is it like an empty net? No, it's going to be a close game, empty netter after a three to two, three to two score entering the last two minutes. And by the way, every time, every time somebody pulls a goalie with two minutes left, thank Patrick Waugh because he's the one who pretty much. Oh, he, he didn't pull it with two minutes. He used to pull it with like five minutes yes, to go. But he's the one who made it a fashion. But you know what the funny thing is with Waugh? Every single time he did it, he got it right. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he got it right. Especially it was crazy. the start of that season. Yeah, it was crazy. And you know what the funny thing is? And I don't want to get too far down the road because I know you need to go. For a team that played as well as it did, for a team that put up as many points as it did, 
one stat that people don't realize is their puck possession that entire season was not good. And you wonder how they won so many games when their puck possession wasn't good. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't have the puck the majority of the time compared to the teams that they played. Four to two is your final. Yes. Have a great time at the Thanks. game. Get some popcorn you in between. Shake hands. Sure. Good, 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 good job. Good job. Well, the fact that you shook my hand, you know what that tells me? You don't have a problem with Jewish people. What do we have coming up on Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? Game five of the Boston Celtics Miami Heat series tonight. And who's the most underappreciated Denver Bronco? One NFL.com writer said it's a uh, player on the offense. I was surprised at who she picked. Uh huh. Yeah, we're going to talk about that tomorrow, but you just steal whatever's in the show notes. I uh, can pick plenty of other things. No, I'm totally kidding. Actually, I put it in late. I can pick a lot of other things. No, I want you to do that one. All right, that's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at T Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, Boston Celtics at Miami Heat, 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time on ESPN. That series tied at two games apiece. Neither team has won or lost back-to-back games so far in this series. The Celtics blew out the Heat by 20 in Game 4. So will the trend continue? Will the Heat and Jimmy Butler get back on the right side tonight? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the injury report. Marcus Smart, according to reports, is available to play tonight, and Tyler Harrow is out. Kyle Lowry, P.J. Tucker for the Heat are questionable. P.J. Tucker is a terrific defensive player. So with that, I think it just might come down to injuries. I think the Celtics are the better team. I believe they are going to go to the NBA Finals. I said that at the beginning of the start of the playoffs. And, they ha- and the Celtics have been inconsistent. Maybe getting Smart back will give them a boost. Harrow is a big loss for them. And the, and the Heat got their doors blown off with Harrow now playing. What do you think? Yeah, we've seen it a lot in these playoffs um, in, in a lot of series that they haven't necessarily been close games. There have been some close series, but a lot of the games have been blowouts because in today's NBA, it's driven by the three-pointer. And when your three-point shot is not falling, as happened with the Mavericks a couple nights ago, you can get blown out. And then when it is falling, you can 
be on the right side of a big win like they beat Golden State last night by a significant margin. So yeah, a guy like Tyler Hero who is a big time three-point shooter and a key component of that offense, whether he's coming off the bench or playing in a starter role, uh, that's that's a huge part of it. And I think the Celtics have a little bit of that too because you got guys like Peyton Pritchard and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who can make threes, but if they're not making the threes, tough to get a win. By the way, the Warriors lost last night. You know how I categorize that loss? So what? Golden State's going to go home and close it out, and they're going to close it out probably in a big way. It's hard to sweep any team. Dallas played their best game, good for them. And my suggestion to Mark Cuban and the rest of the Mavs, pack light. Now, granted, you'd be, you know, you're going to be coming home for game six anyway, but you'd be packing light even if there were two more games to play out. Yeah, big game from Luka last night, but he didn't have to do the 40-point performance that we talked about on yesterday's show because a lot of the guys around him, Reggie Bullock, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson, were all contributing a lot as well. And they played well defensively, which is what they do. Absolutely. Which is what they do. And by the way, you saw the Steve Kerr press conference. and That was before the game, and all he did was talk about the tragedy down in Texas. I'm almost wondering how focused... Steve Kerr was for that game. Now, granted, he doesn't play. Steph Curry uh, put some stuff out on Twitter. I'm wondering how focused he was for that game. You can afford to lose a game when you're that good and you're still up 3-1. to Yeah, like you said, tough to sweep any team. They didn't need to sweep them, so they've got a couple more opportunities to get it closed out. I have no doubt they will. Just in case you missed it, Chris Bryant headed back to the IL for the Colorado Rockies, the 10-day IL for lower back strain. So again, the back again on the 10-day IL. Rockies lost to the Pirates earlier today, 10-5, after winning last night, 2-1. So they're in a little bit of a rocky spot right now, Uh, especially with Chris Bryant headed back to the IL. I asked you and Mace a couple weeks ago, and I was hoping to get Terry's thoughts on it, but maybe I'll have another opportunity uh, down the line. I'll speak for him. When, when Chris Bryant goes on the on the IL for the third time, I'll get to ask him. Okay. But are you concerned with Chris Bryant's health and with the general performance of the Rockies? Yes and yes. I mean, you brought in Chris Bryant to be your big bat. You spent a lot of money on him. You know, the one of the there are a lot of differences between the Rockies and the Dodgers. You know, the Dodgers make a big signing, and that guy's on the injured list. That's okay. You can bring up a guy from the farm system who's probably really good. You can pull a guy off your bench getting paid a lot of money, and that guy will likely be pretty good. You only have you only have so much on your payroll, and you only have so many high-priced guys. Unfortunately, what we're seeing, and it is early, and I understand this, and he has a long contract, what we are starting to see is a little Todd Helton. High-priced guy, and he can't stay healthy. They need him. Listen, they're not going to win the division. They're not going to. They're not going to get a wild card spot. The reason why they're losing doesn't have to do with Chris Bryant being injured. It has to do with the strength of their team, which is what they thought it would be. Which is the pitching has been borderline awful. Their starting pitching, they have just crashed and burned. So you can blame it on one bat, but then again, you have one of the hottest bats in baseball right now in CJ Crown. Well said. Well oh, said. thank you. Thank you. Just in case you missed it, Bleacher reports five sleeper teams for the 2022 season. The New York Jets, number five. 
the Philadelphia Eagles, number four. Number three, the Miami Dolphins. Number two, the Indianapolis Colts. And number one, the Baltimore Ravens. What? They're sleepers. Those reactions make it seem like you didn't really think those last two were much of sleepers. The Colts have Matt Ryan now, a guy who's been to a Super Bowl, and they have a terrific offensive line. Jonathan Taylor, their defense is pretty good. They're not a sleeper. I think they're going to wind up winning their division. They're not sleeping on anybody. Miami. I believe the the thought process behind it was just long odds for the Super Bowl, and they are still long odds. But you're right. If they're if they're probably competing to win the division, not really a sleeper team. Yeah, don't give me. I a, look at the Ravens the same way. Don't give me Indianapolis, Philadelphia in a crappy division. Don't give me them as sleepers. You want to give me the Jets and the Jaguars? Those are sleepers. That is a weak column. You think the Dolphins are sleepers? Uh, not to win the division. They're not going to overtake. They're not going to overtake the Bills. However, they might finish in second over over the Patriots. They might wind up doing that. They have two stud-wide receivers right now in Hill and Waddle, and that's certainly going to help out uh, Tiger Viola. Um, and we'll see how Mike McDaniel does in his first year as a head coach out there. So, And by the way, Mike McDaniel is doing something very interesting uh, for practice, and I kind of like this. I, I hope maybe... Nathaniel Hackett adopts this. Do you hear what Mike McDaniel's now doing in practice? I have not heard. Practice player of the day. Oh, okay. And the person who wins it gets to choose the music the next day. That's brilliant. Yeah, I do like that. That is absolutely brilliant. All right, that's going to do it for us. That was Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it. Argonaut, always great. Specials right now, all 750 milliliter bottles of French wines, 15% off. And don't forget, Argonaut delivers as well. And all deliveries over 100 bucks are free. So if you live in the city, obviously stop by Colfax. You know how great uh, Argonaut Wine and Liquor is. I mean, Westward has voted them the best liquor store in Denver five years in a row. But here's something else to consider. If you work in the city, live in the, live in the suburbs, you don't need to drive near your house in order to get something for the ride home. Stop at Argonaut and then take it home. Argonaut Wine and Liquor, the best, absolute best. That's going to do it for us. Nolan, great job today. Good luck. Uh, get, shout it out. What's the final score going to be tonight, Mr. Blues fan? 5-1 Blues. He says 5-1 Blues. 5-1 Blues. Danny, what's your score? Oh, he meant 5-1 Avs. 5-1 Avs. He, yeah, he Danny, what do you, Danny, what do you have? Well, I took the over, so I'll need 5-2 Avs. Okay, and I'm going to give a partial score, Avalanche 4. Make it the best possible night you can.